This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. But having a different body, having a new body, a spiritual body, does not mean that we are different persons. Because if we were, you see, if we came back in the resurrection as different people to the ones that we are now, this wouldn't be salvation. This would be starting all over again, recreation. There's something new, you see. Whereas salvation, of course, is the, the deliverance, the rescue of something that is already there. And that is our personhood. Uh, and it, it means that although flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, uh, and I will have a, a spiritual nature, a spiritual body when I get to heaven, not the body that I've got now, I will still be the same person. I won't become somebody else. Uh, and this is very important because, of course, it's a guarantee that my relationship with God here and now will be fundamentally the same as the relationship to God that I will have after I die and go to heaven. I mean, I will be the same person. All right? And therefore, the ways in which my person uh, my personhood are expressed, you know, through the spirit and so on, the image and likeness of God, these things will continue. I mean, I won't lose this or uh, anything, because if I do, you see, if it doesn't continue, then I'll be somebody else. You see, and I can't come back as somebody else. Um, and one of the, see, one of the curious things that's going on at the moment, uh, people who have what they call gender reassignment, you know, a sex change operation. And, but you see, this is a lie, really. And um, you can only change so much, you see, on the, cosmetically. But it doesn't really change the, the fundamental structure of, 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 of the individual. And this is, it's actually caused problems because you have young men who become women um, and then sort of compete in races with other women and win, of course, because they're really men. Um, you, you know, they've got, they've got a stronger body. I mean, you can't, well, you can't change, you can fiddle around with the externals, but you can't change that, that basic underlying, uh, underlying fact. And, uh, and so this, this gender reassignment stuff is, is, is really very superficial, but it causes problems because, of course, um, what does it do to your identity? Um, there's, a, uh, there's a man in England. Um, well, I don't know whether he's a man or not. Um, he was a man. Stephen, um, is it Stephen Cross or Stephen Crow? He has some name like that. Anyway, he was ordained. He was an ordained minister, ordained priest in the Church of England. And 
he had a very difficult life. He was married and divorced twice, which is a great mystery because it's completely it's completely uncanonical. I mean, you're not supposed to do that. How he got away with it, I do not know. But then he ended up having a, a sex change. So now his name is Carol Stone. It was Stephen Stone before, that's right. Stephen Stone has now become Carol Stone. Well, you see, this, this causes all sorts of problems because, first of all, was Carol Stone ever baptized? Well, actually, it was Stephen Stone who was baptized, not Carol Stone. So what do you do about that? But worse still, from the church's point of view, because he was ordained, you know, we, we do say the, talk about the foolish things of this world. We ordain him as Stephen. Now he has a sex change and becomes Carol. Is his ordination still valid? Is he still the same person? Very difficult. Um, uh, you know, and uh, being English, of course, we people just fudge these questions. They say, "Oh well, you know, there's no real answer to that, so forget it." You know, they, they they don't. But to my mind, the scandal of this per particular person is that he, stroke she, has been allowed to carry on in ministry with no questions asked. You know, what would you do if your minister sort of disappeared next Sunday, came back a month later as a woman uh, or a man, you know, and just announced, well, uh, you know, I've, I've had an interesting holiday and now I'm back again. Um, <laughs> I mean, you see what I'm saying? It, it, the problem is one of identity, really. Who is this person? Is this Stephen or is this Carol? Now, of course, in my opinion, um, it's Stephen. You know, he because the gender re reassignment, so-called, is false, and to carry on like this is a, a form of deception, and he really shouldn't be allowed to do it. You know, but then I'm not a bishop. You see, if I were a bishop, I would sort of bend over backwards to say, "What a wonderful and challenging uh, new." Uh, adventure this is that this man has embarked on, you know, to become a woman, and we want to affirm women, uh, and so uh, people who claim to be women but aren't, uh, we will uh, we will honor and 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 you know uh, do this because and so he's still serving in a church, which to my mind is a complete scandal, uh, you know that, that 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 should be allowed, but anyhow. Um, it gives you some idea of the nature of the problem that we face, you see. Because if I don't come back as me in the next life, you know, after death, when I go to heaven, if I'm somebody else, what does this do to my salvation? What connection to my salvation could there possibly be? You see? Um, how could I live in, on earth in one identity 
and then move to heaven and acquire a completely different one without breaking the link. You see, does this not break the link uh, between them? And so I think what we have to say here is that salvation means a total transformation, the entire human being. There's no aspect of our humanity left out. That Jesus, as a human being, had everything that a human being has without being a human person. And the reason that he was not a human person, in the strict sense of the word, is that his divine person took that role. You know, he, as a person, he is divine. But his nature, his, he has two natures. He has a human nature and a divine nature, which the divine person controls. You see, the divine person can switch the human nature on and off uh, according to circumstances so that Jesus uh, you know, could live like an or ordinary human being, but he could also perform miracles when necessary uh, because he could step out of, you know, he was bigger than just his human nature. He wasn't, his person wasn't imprisoned by his nature. Person becomes an independent concept, a separate concept. You see, the, the formula adopted at the Council of Chalcedon in 451 is to say that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is one divine person in two natures, one of them human, one of them divine. All right, there are these two natures, two different things, um, which are united in the person of Christ. That's classical uh, belief. This is what we, I mean, all the churches of certainly the Western Christendom uh, would accept this as, as the truth. You see the way, it, uh, the way it works. But what this did for our understanding of, hum of humanity and therefore, of course, of our salvation was that it turned everything on its head. Because previously, when somebody had tried to define what a human being was, they thought primarily in terms of nature, human nature. And individual human beings, persons, were what you might call chips off the old block, as we say, you know. Um, in other words, they, they shared the same nature, uh, you know, uh, human being, the one human nature, but acquire a separate identity, which is the person. But the identity is defined and determined and limited by the nature. In other words, as a human being, I am a human person, but as a human person, I can't do anything that goes against my human nature. Because if I do, I will, I will destroy myself. I mean, I just can't do that. All right? It doesn't work. But now what the discussion about Christ shows and what happens here is that this model, the idea that the nature is on top, the nature is the basic thing, and the person is just a manifestation of this. The person is the way that the nature appears 
uh, in public. And of course, the appearance is different, but the underlying substance is the same for everybody. If you turn this on its head and say, no, it's persons who come first. And persons have natures. Nature is a possession of the person. So that the person controls his nature, you see. Uh, the and, and in the case of Jesus, you see, Jesus disposed of his nature. I mean, sometimes if he wanted to use his divine nature in order to perform miracles or walk on water or something like that, he could do this. Uh, you know, but he could also operate as a human being within his human nature, as he did on the cross, for instance, uh, with no reference to the divine at all. You see, the divine doesn't necessarily function um, uh, in, in that way because, you see, the divine nature cannot suffer and die. So if Jesus suffers and dies, he can only do so in his human nature. Now, this is Chalcedonian orthodoxy. Uh, the, the, the phrase is, um, the divine person of the Son of God suffered and died in his human nature. You see, because that's the only way he could have suffered and he could suffer. The divine person of the Son of God suffers and dies in his human nature. But what this implies is that the divine person of the Son of God can overrule his divine nature if necessary. He's not bound by his divine, he's not conditioned by his divine nature. So that, for example, if the Son of God in heaven wants to become a man, as he did, he could do so even though his divine nature uh, would contradict this, because the divine nature is invisible, immortal, uh, you know, all the things that human nature is not. But his human nature is not submerged, it is not suppressed, it is not amalgamated uh, into the divine. It's not connected in any way. It exists independently as a human nature in its full sense, the connection is through the person. It's one person who lives and works and moves in these two different natures. Different and, I must say, incompatible. Now, what is true of Jesus, of course, this, this is a restructuring of the way you understand human, the human being, the composition of humanity. This is also applicable to us. That our personhood, our being created in the image and likeness of God, is more fundamental than our nature, being mortal, visible, etc. All right? So that although we, can't, we don't do what Jesus did, I mean, we, don't t we can't take on an extra nature and still be the same person. In this life. But this is in effect what happens when we die and rise again. 
that we pass from human nature, flesh and blood, into divine nature, the spiritual body. You see, we, we are transformed into a different level, if you like, a different uh, way of thinking about these things. But we remain the same persons. This is the link that ties us, you see. What Jesus is simultaneously, uh, a man who is, who is divine, but, into, but who has a human nature and a divine nature, and what you meet when you meet him, you meet the divine Son of God, but you meet him in his human nature, because that's the only way you can actually connect with him. That's the only link you can possibly have with him. How can any mortal being become mortal? You see, in his divine nature, Jesus is immortal. He cannot die. But in his human nature, he is mortal. Now, how can that be? You see, if, unless Jesus says, well, uh, I can step out of my divine nature. I can, I can take on a second nature, a human nature, uh, as a divine person. You see, I'm not limited. I'm not bound by my divine nature. But this is also true of us, you see, in a funny sort of way, because although we have a human nature, we are not so bound to it that we cannot have a relationship with God. You see, if, if our personhood, if our identity was just an expression of our nature as human beings, the concept of eternity, to go no further, would be impossible. Because eternity is not a natural thing. You see? I mean, you don't, we don't come into the world as, uh, as immortal beings. And our humanity never acquires immortality. We, don't, not, we never become immortal human beings. You see? It is, as human beings, we die because we are mortal, and all human beings die. This is not the issue. The issue is what sort of carryover is there from human life, from our human life, to our life in heaven? And at what level and in what way does it carry over? And of course, it cannot be at the level of nature for the reasons that I have discussed. But it can be at the level of person. Because as persons, you and I are in some way or other, and I'm very cautious about this, but we are in some way or other divine. Because we are created in the image and likeness of God. Now you will be horrified and you will say, oh, no, 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 we're not divine. You know, you mustn't confuse with this. And and I, I take your point. I mean, I'm not divine in the sense that I can't change water into wine. But our, what I'm saying is, you see, our identity is what survives. And it's, our, it's, as, it's as persons that we connect with God. This is why we talk about having a personal relationship with him. Because, you see, as, as nature, I mean, as human nature, what possible connection could there be between me and God. I mean, I'm finite, God is infinite. I, you know, I'm weak, God is powerful. Uh, it doesn't work. 
You see what I mean? At that level, uh, we're quite different from God. But as persons, we are connected with him. And when it comes to things like the mind and the will, as our nature is renewed, as our nature is restored in something different, so our minds and our wills will be restored. Now, in this life, of course, this is very partial. It happens to some extent. But in the next life, it will be complete. You see, there will be a complete transformation at this level. Which, of course, is a guarantee that we will never sin again. Because when our minds and, and, and wills are renewed in Christ, you know, when, when Christ's mind and will is given to us, basically, is shared with us, then, of course, that neither the, 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 desire, the desire to sin will simply vanish. Because like with Jesus, you know, we just won't see the point. I mean, we won't get it. You see what I mean? It's going to be completely separated um, uh, in, in that way. Now that is very important. Uh, it's very important because it allows us to say that I can have a relationship with God in Christ here and now on earth, which is real. You know, it's not fake. But which does not um, blur the distinction, shall we say, between the human and the divine. It allows the two natures, the human and the divine, to, to coexist, but to be linked at this other level, this personal level. And as I say, for a doctrine of salvation, this is extremely important because it is the framework uh, that we have in which we can explain why when I die, you know, like the seed which is planted in the ground and it will come up as the plant. This is 1 Corinthians 15. When I die, my identity, my existence, my personhood will not die with me it will go beyond the grave. Right? And this, of course, is true of every human being. I mean, nothing in the Bible about heaven or hell uh, or the intermediate state or any of those things would make any sense otherwise. Because my human body, my human nature, I leave behind when I die. The corpse is there. All right? I don't take it with me. But I, as a person, am gone. You know, I'm not there anymore. And this outward skin can decay uh, uh, and whatnot. But me, I mean, I'll be rejoicing with the angels in heaven. I mean, I won't be there in that body. You see? And that's, again, a very, very important thing to bear in mind. Now, does the spiritual body have any resemblance to the physical body? Well, in the case of Jesus, 
it obviously did because his disciples recognized him after he rose from the dead. You know, so they, they, they knew it was Jesus. So the, there's some kind of connection there. But Paul's image, you see, of the seed, in this is 1 Corinthians 15, of the seed, the seed that must die in order to bring forth fruit, and the plant comes up. The plant doesn't look anything like the seed, you know, in terms of physical, uh, visible physical appearance. But without the seed, there would be no plant. I mean, there is a connection. You see what I mean? Even though it's not obvious. I mean, if you have a bunch of seeds in your, in your house and you're going to plant, there's no point going around polishing the seeds so the plant will look nice. You know, it, <laughs> and that's basically what you're doing. I mean, should I have cosmetic surgery so that when I get to heaven I'll look good? Yeah, you, you know, the, it makes no sense. You see what I mean? But there is nevertheless a connection. See, the other reason you have to, you have to be careful about this is that if you say, you know, that um, your body will go to heaven and just transform, into, transform itself into another dimension, um, we'd all be committing suicide at 21 because we want to look our best in heaven. And that would be complete nonsense, of course. You see what I mean? It's when you say things like this that you realize why this kind of solution makes no sense. You know, this kind of um, trying to, to project human nature as we have it now beyond the grave. Right? It just doesn't make any sense at all uh, to say this. So, uh, you see, we, can't, we, we are who we are, and we will always be who we are, children of God, uh, as, as, as human, as people, as persons. But the physical form which my personhood now takes, the, uh, how I manifest my personhood, this will die uh, and will, will not come back again. It will, well, if it comes back again, it comes back in a transformed state. And I may not look anything like uh, the way I do now uh, when I'm in heaven. You know, this is meant to be a great comfort, fellow. You know, to understand. I mean, we'll, whether we'll look a lot better, I don't know, but we'll certainly look different. Uh, you know, uh, to to what we look now. But this is the framework. You see, this is the structure in which our salvation begins to make sense. It also, of course, explains why, uh, how we should devote our time. See, the Apostle Paul says, um, physical exercise is a good thing. You know, uh, by all means, you can, you can indulge this when you've got time and so on. But if physical exercise gets in the way of things like prayer and Bible study, um, you know, things like that, uh, and you really haven't got time for that because, well, you know, um, there's something wrong uh, there. You see that uh, that can't be. I have to well, lay up treasure in heaven. Uh, in other words, uh, I have to act as a person according to my will and my mind uh, in a way which will be valid in eternity, which will actually contribute to my eternal life, uh, where a purely human thing, 
you know, wouldn't. Because it's within this, you know, when my body, like if I spent my money, for instance, on cosmetic surgery, that's fine, but you know, in another 20 years I'm dead, it's gone. If on the other hand I spend my money on uh, evangelism, uh, you know, and win people to, to the Lord in, in the next 20 years, I'm not saying I will, but if I were to do that, that would be a better option. From just about every point of view, because I would be using my resources to build up treasure in heaven and not worrying about something that's going to be lost anyway. You know? I mean, I don't know what I'm going to look like in heaven. You don't know either. But chances are we'll look very different to what we look now. You know, I would guess. Right? And, and yet be the same. So this is very deep. You need to, I know you've probably never heard anything like this before. You need to think about it. You need to think very deeply how in Jesus, you see, by trying to explain how Jesus, the divine Son of God, could become a man without ceasing to be the divine Son of God. You know, he's still the divine Son of God. The solution worked out for this is a solution which applies also to our humanity. The difference being that our humanity is spread over time, this life and the next life, which are different. His humanity is the you know, is the, or his his personhood rather uh, is divine. You see, right the way right the way through. All right, does this make any sense to you? Can you kind of figure person and nature or being or substance are two different things. Uh, and we know this from the way they function, right? So, uh, so just be aware of this because it's, it, 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 it is absolutely basic to the way that we understand uh, the Christian life and salvation. Uh, I mean, what does it mean uh, to be a child of God? Um, it means um, sharing in his person, in the relationship of his persons, and that you and I are grafted into the family of God, into the Trinity. Um, look at Galatians, uh, Ephesians, and so on. Look at the way Paul expresses this. You know, we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, uh, and so on. You'll see it there. Um, as, as basic to our uh, to our self-consciousness, to our self-awareness, and therefore to our identity. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.